Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. I know it's been a long, long, painful international break for all of you. It's been the same for us, but we are back in your podcast feeds this Monday morning. So excited to finally have the Premier League action back. I know, Nick, it's been one of those things where we didn't have anything last week like we wanted to. Apparently, we just didn't have a Joe Cole interview in our back pocket this time. I know. I I blame us, too, uh, for... For not putting that together, we do have a special uh, podcast coming up a little bit later this week, um, Dan. That will that will pay tribute to a Chelsea legend, though, to to maybe make up for our transgressions. Well, it just took us a little longer to piece together than we initially thought. We decided to put together a retrospective for Mister Chelsea, Captain Leroy Legend, John Terry. We got comments from a ton of our friends who frequent on the podcast, uh, a couple who've been uh, one-timers like uh, Chris Fowler of ESPN. Uh, We've got Chidge. We've got Clayton. We've got so many people that gave us minutes of their time, and we've stitched it all together to just pay tribute to, you know, in the 
individual that is one of the probably two or three most recognizable Chelsea players of the modern era next to you know Lampard and Drogba. And I think it's going to be something really special. So we'll drop that midweek after this episode and a little social media follow-up. Right, Brandon? Absolutely. It was a good problem to have. We had reached out to a ton of people and pretty much every single person wanted to be involved. So it was a great, great tribute that we put together. Uh, Super excited to get it out to everyone. So anyways, as you guys know, we do, uh, you know, every episode we do at the beginning, we have some Patreon names. So Doncha and Justin, welcome, welcome to the fan. Dan, do we have any iTunes reviews after an international break? The the last email I got said uh, said no, no, man, not, uh, zero. But you know that, that's because we call at the beginning. We're like, hey, leave a five star review. We'll shout you out. And uh, we have not been in your ear holes for a little bit of time. You know, maybe use that opportunity to mow the lawn, to read a couple books to check out a new album on Apple Music or Spotify. But yeah, you know, MFers, uh, leave a uh, five-star review if you haven't on Apple Podcasts before, and we'll shout you out next episode. Aggressive. I prefer, I prefer Tidal still. It's my music player of choice. Tidal, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I have a coworker who uses it. I couldn't believe oh, it. Wow. All right. Anyways, Nick, roll us into our trip promo before we jump into the match review. Yeah, uh, so just an update. I know it's been a few weeks since we talked about this last, but uh, we've had a crazy uh, amount of people sign up for the for the London trip that we're taking. Just want to kind of review a couple of changes that have happened. So there there are already over twenty people who are who are signed up. So we're really excited. We only have a few spots left. Um, so if you're interested or you have questions, you, you know how to get a hold of us. DM us on Twitter or Instagram. Or email us contact at londonisbluepodcast.com. So uh, if you're at all intrigued or you want to figure out how it's it's possible or how you register, just let us know and we'll figure that out. Uh, the trade uh, the actually the dates of the uh, the matches have changed though. So um, instead of the 28th and the and the uh, first, um, we're now running through you know the it would be like the 29th through the 3rd of January with the matches happening on the 30th and the 2nd. So we'll be away at Palace on the 30th now and then home to Southampton, not on New Year's Day, but the day after New Year's Day to allow Dan, and I and I think this is what the FA was trying to do here, to allow us to nurse our hangovers a little bit more on New Year's Day. Well, some of us are, are weak and get hangovers like Nick and other of us Whoa. are impervious uh, like myself, and uh, wouldn't need the recovery day, but it's appreciated. So thank you, FA. You wow. really get something right. Look, look. Let's not say who gets hangovers and who still makes shows because of them, or or who doesn't make the show, <clears throat> Brandon, because of them. <laughs> I don't want to dive into that level of detail. What I do know is that this trip is going to be a blast. We are super excited about everyone who signed up to uh, to join us. Just DM us if you have questions. We're not scary. Talk to us. We'll figure it out. All right. Well, after that <laughs> brawl, let's go ahead and get into the real one that happened uh, this past Saturday, October 20th. It was Manchester United in the Premier League at Stamford Bridge. Blues 2, Red Devils 2 as well. Obviously, for our predictions, I had 2 nothing. Dan 3-1, Nick 1-0, Mike 2-1. So none of us getting it right, understandably. Well, uh, well, but, well, to be fair, I did get the right number no. of goals scored. What the right f- number of goals scored. <laughs> Okay, here's your participation ribbon. That doesn't mean anything. <laughs> Thank goodness. That's what I was hoping for. 
Jeez. We did, though, have some correct predictions uh, on Instagram, of all places. Uh, Zach Kress, a special shout out to Zach as well for leaving your house at 3.30 a.m. to join Mike and the Rainier Blues in Tacoma for the match. You are a warrior. We also had Polly Cracker and R. Dale Hall again. I believe that that is three in a row for him. (sighs) We will have to verify. We will go back and check the timestamps, but I believe he is on a heater, people. It is really happening. Do you remember when I had two in a row earlier this year and I was just above and beyond like the moon? Uh, I can't imagine what three feels like. My God, what a what a stud Ardale Hall is. Jeez. Getting after it. Well, anyways, great for you. Moving on into the match lineups, Dan, this is your time to shine. I like this time to shine. Uh, Kepa Rizabalaga started in goal. No surprise there. We saw Rudiger, no th- uh, thigh injury to be worried about next to David Luiz. Azpilicueta and Marcus Alonso on the sides of the back four. Jorginho, Conte, and Kovacic get our midfield three going. And then our front three was William Hazard, Morata. The bench was filled with a wonderful group of faces. Willie Caballero, David Zappacosta. Gary Cahill, Cesc Fabregas, Ross Barkley, Pedro, and Olivier Giroud. All of the last three did make substitute appearances in the 69th, 73rd, and 79th minute, respectively. Olivier Giroud, huh? <laughs> That's... Yeah. Uh, Ollie G, the OG, the <laughs> sexy, meaty French forehead. I mean, you do, you, you do anything, Nick. I mean, you can, you know, I mean, he's just a legend. Mm. Interesting, interesting take there. Oh, right. We're going to go ahead and move on. Uh, I would like to preface the stats section with Jose saying they deserve to win. Um, so we can take it for what it is. No, 62. no, they, were, they not only deserve to win, they were the better team. Just remember that as you read That, these that was the actual, actual quote, yeah. They, they were the better team. All right. 62% possession for Chelsea. Uh, six shots on target to United's four. 21 shots in total to United's seven. 800 touches to 547, 611 passes to 371. Again, just some context for you as we get into the rest of it. There is always the stat test and the eye test, and they must go hand in hand. Oh, Brandon, Brandon, you also forgot the fact that uh, we had nine fouls conceded to their 17 and two yellow cards to their five yellow cards. So they did beat us there. That was good. Yeah. They, they were Re- literally beating us, you know, with bags <laughs> of oranges, so they didn't leave bruises. Mourinho did praise Mike Dean for his handling of the match afterwards, but I could see why. Uh, goals. So kicking off in the 21st minute, we had Rudiger off a corner kick wide open. Assist to William. Uh, obviously, this one went exactly like it was drawn up with David Luiz getting the way of Pogba. Uh, Pogba not being able to track Rudiger finding himself wide open and what a smashing header uh, great great start to the game obviously one nothing at halftime Nick moving on to the second half 55th minute quickly on the Rudiger goal we were very critical of set pieces um, in the show we did post Southampton so I thought that was really um, it, it was nice to see one of the numerous set piece opportunities actually turn into something. So good, good stuff there. Uh, 55th minute. Um, look, yeah, this was an unfortunate, um, turn of events and, and Chelsea in the second half were just very poor, but this was probably the most poor moment. Uh, a series of attacks at, at Chelsea's goal. 
starting started with a set piece. Uh, ball kind of bounces around. Marcus Alonso goes down, um, expecting uh, you know whistle to stop play. United rightfully continue uh, to pepper the uh, the Chelsea goal with attempts, and then finally uh, Martial is able to uh, to get his goal. And I think uh, you know at least for the crew on this show, it was you know we'll, we'll cap this later, but it was a really poor play from Alonso. I think everyone was very frustrated that he didn't get up and go about his business and try and uh, keep the uh, the ball out of the back of the net. And, uh, you know, to me, this is just kind of a, an unacceptable type of move. You know, if it's not a head injury, the referee doesn't have to stop the game. And uh, frankly, when it comes to a situation like that, it just seemed uh, like, you know, it was a cheap piece of play to try and keep United out of goal. So um, let's hope that Marcus Alonso learns from, you know, this piece of uh, terrible play and is able to move on from it. Yeah, and uh, it didn't help that, you know, just less than 20 minutes later, you know, Martial comes in with another goal. So he gets a brace, maybe put it on a little show to say, hey, you should come spend money to get me because I'm not going to sign that extension at United. And uh, Rashford uh, notched in a little assist for him as well. So uh, two players probably not on anyone's fantasy Premier League team uh, doing the Lord's work and uh, just kind of netting out averages for the rest of us. All right. Well, next one up is the 73rd minute. Martial running in. It was a great counterattack. Juan Mata leading it, unfortunately, but the assist came from Rashford. Actually, there was a big discussion from, I think, Ugo on Facebook talking about Kepa not even moving, essentially being planted on this one. I thought it was a little difficult. Martial absolutely smashed it into the side netting. Kepa could have been a little bit blocked from Aspie's uh, diving tackle, but the fact of the matter is, is we got caught with her pants down and just completely counterattacked us and you know, when you have two guys trying to mark three people, you're always going to be in a bad situation. But look, Martial, like you said, he was in fine form today. Uh, unfortunately for us, obviously, um, he absolutely buried it. Did either of you guys have any concerns with Kepa on that one? I didn't. I mean, I don't really know what he could have done. That ball was hit at uh, a pretty significant, with a significant amount of pace. I mean, it was not like he he dribbled it into the back of the net. I mean, he he hit it pretty hard, so I don't really know what could have been done except the four things before him getting the ball in a dangerous area. <laughs> yeah, there there was a lot of stopping of that goal that could have occurred with the disruption of play. And, you know, again, we were kind of getting drawn a little out of shape defensively throughout the, the second half, both for the, you know, the first Martial goal and then the second. So, uh, yeah, I mean, United were basically a non-threat the entire first half and then came alive after we just you know even sorry came out afterwards and said yeah for 60 minutes we played our football and then for 30 minutes yeah we didn't we were lawballing it and we're not good at playing that game um and yeah it showed it showed and it, it was making it very easy for them to work their way back into the game get ahead and uh, made it you know so that a, a last minute effort was what was required to even rescue a point all right and then ending it again i mean i guess nick would you call this in the 96 minute another set piece uh no i mean it wasn't like a pure set piece i mean first cross goes in it gets um knocked back out uh and then you know kind of chaos ensues to be honest with you um you know, we have David Luiz with a header that was brilliant uh, going off of the bar. Rudiger in the right place at the right time with a brilliant kind of knockdown header that uh, De Gea is able to save. And then 
you know, your your friend and mine, Boss Barkley, coming in with a, a really just clutch side net, you know, easy finish. And, you know, the place went bananas, Dan. I mean, this was, uh, you know, I I don't know if a draw was even deserved based on the second half performance, but um, but this is certainly a pivotal moment for the club. Yeah, you know, it, it's nice to have records, right? It's nice to have a good uh, and one of the best records in the Premier League against United, uh, you know, on, on our home turf compared to other sides in the league. And you know, it's nice to have something like that. It was also nice to you know not give away this kind of conversation of you know uh, you, you know. Mourinho has a magic back, and, you know, and, and hey, maybe this is going to keep him employed a little bit longer. And uh, we've all been enjoying watching from afar the antics that he has gotten into this season and the challenges that he's had and producing results at, at United for the, uh, the past uh, couple of years here. So, you know, it was nice. It was nice to rescue it. It changes the narrative a little bit. It keeps Sarri's unbeaten streak alive. Obviously, we like to celebrate winning streaks and not unbeaten streaks. But in this scenario, I think it felt like the absolute gut punch when the second goal for United went in, and it felt like it was going to be a loss and really just a, a negative start to the weekend. And this just gets you feeling a little bit better about uh, everything, especially a steal in the last minute is, uh, is always nice. Yeah, I think the overarching consensus is that this one still felt like two points lost rather than one point gained. Uh, also, sorry having the best ever start in the Premier League uh, for a new manager, I believe. I don't have no idea if that's on record or points, but either way, he is doing something right. So let's continue to move on with that. So first off, as we get into the match, uh, disclaimer here, I am not thrilled to be talking about this, but... It happened, and it was significant, so here we are. Jose Mourinho, fellows, here is what happened. He clashed with Marco Iani, Chelsea, I don't know, essentially assistant coach for Maurizio. Uh, so they clash in stoppage time after Iani um, just runs in front of him to celebrate the equalizing goal. Uh, it looked like his, his fist pump about caught Mourinho on the chin there, to which the bench is cleared. Uh, shortly after, you could hear the chance. The, the fans chanting F off Mourinho to which he responded at the end of the match uh, walking off the pitch holding up three fingers indicating the number of league titles and now I'm going to be very specific in how I word this okay the number of league titles that Chelsea won while he was manager okay so just mm. to be clear uh, Nick where would you like to start so choose your own adventure Nick yeah, no, there there are plenty of paths to go down. Uh, I I, I want to talk about Mourinho generally before we dive into these specific incidents, and it's something that I think of all the text conversation that we had in our text group. Um, it, it it was really surprising, and it's still really surprising to me the amount that he gets under Chelsea fans' collective skin. Um, look, guys, we all know who he is. <laughs> We all know the game that is being played. He is a master narrative changer, writer, um, breaker. Like he, he is a troll. He was a troll for us in in his first stint and his second stint, and now he's a troll for Manchester United. Um, he his comments after the game in the first part, not not specifically talking about the incident, were that United were the better team, that his his team deserved to win, that they were. 
you know, that they were just a class above. And any, you know, look, I'm not telling you Chelsea played well yesterday, but like any objective observer of this game would be like, no, you're just trying to write your own history into this match. It's not what happened. He does this all the time. And I would implore Chelsea fans, listen to these words. Do not take anything that this man says seriously. You know, it, it is essentially, you know, I made this comment to our crew before we started recording. It's like being at a stand-up comedy show and for, you know, to, uh, for the comedian to point out someone in the crowd, the, let's just say it's the guy next to you and start commenting about his appearance or making fun of him. And part of you is like, ha man, this comedian's awesome. And then the next person he points out is you. And it's not so awesome, right? But what you have to realize, it's all an act. It's all an act. And Mourinho has, has done this forever and ever and ever. And you cannot or you should not let this get under your skin as a Chelsea fan. He, you know, and it's just, it's so frustrating to me that people are just obsessed with him in this way. I, 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 I love what he did for us in the past, uh, but I, you know, I do not love this current version of him and I have moved the hell on Dan. All right. Well, I mean, you talked about Mourinho, uh, so I will maybe pick up the ball and talk a little bit about uh, Iani, or Iani, who was the culprit or the, um, the assistant who should be sacked immediately, according to Phil Neville on the oh commentary, <laughs> which is, uh, you know, uh, again, you know, just, you know, it was a very interesting take to the entirety of the match and was, was probably, you know, the reason why I, I definitely was tuning out every time his voice kind of popped across the telecast. But yeah, I think that's maybe the, a bit of a overreaction. Um, I will say, with the way the match had gone, with the you know always the persistent fouling on Hazard that really doesn't get policed out of the game, which is you know a bothersome. The you know possibility I think for uh, a penalty you know in the early uh, parts of the first half um, that could have gone our way that didn't. Um, you know what I. I could see getting super excited. I could see the emotions getting the best of anybody in that kind of moment. And was it the right reaction? No. Was it a passionate reaction? Yes. Um, as a Chelsea fan, did I enjoy it? Absolutely. Um, and you know what? Like, I mean, again, you know, they apologized afterwards. The apology was accepted. Uh, it was a heat of the moment element. Um, and you know what? Like, I think you just have to kind of look beyond that. I mean, it, it, it's sports. People get excited. People get emotional. You know, it's not, you know, these people, it's not just, you know, a, a sport for them. It's their, it's their job. It's their employment. And, you know, they need to produce and bring results. And it could have been a little less personal and it could have been a little less in the technical area for United. But I think you're, you know, looking to apply a, a filter uh, where you're you know, opting to forget all the moments, either at United or at Chelsea or at Inter or at Porto, where Mourinho was doing the exact same type of thing, or where other managers have done the exact type of thing too, whether it be Klopp or Pep, and you know, like this happens, and I, I think we just have to kind of put it, in, you know, take it out of the context of this match and apply it to the broader spectrum of how people react to these things, Brandon. So are you saying that he it was just like pure joy and kind of relief? It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, on I, purpose. I, I don't. I don't think. I. It, I don't think it, it didn't look. I mean, the only intentional thing was looking at Mourinho and like 
doing the fist up at the same time was probably not ideal. If he had if he had run past and had just done a fist up and hadn't looked at Mourinho, it probably wouldn't have wouldn't have been an issue. But the fact that he made you know, the the eye contact was a little uh, you know made it made it personal probably. Okay, well, <laughs> I I just <laughs> I disagree. Like that was same. that was same. purely thought out, and and here's why. So coming from it. I've been fortunate enough to celebrate some some awesome like late minute dramatic wins, um, whether it's on the field and as all I've also been on the sideline. When you are just in pure unadulterated joy and celebration, you're celebrating with your teammates and your staff around you. I think that's what we saw. Like Maurizio Sarri didn't run in front of the bench. No one else did. They were celebrating with like Zola and everyone contained by themselves. He had an agenda with what he was doing. Now, to be fair, no idea what was said throughout the rest of the match at halftime before the match. No idea what their context was. But Dan, I got to tell you, man, he knew exactly what he was doing. And the eye contact was the cherry on top that set Mourinho off. Mourinho probably could have been like, whatever, wanker, run in front of us. I don't care. But when you look at them and you're like, that's right, with that little eye wink at them then that's what triggered him. And and to be fair, I've done the same thing too. I've goaded opponents after things have gone our way. That and but that is also sports. Like I'm sorry, but unsportsmanlike conduct is a, a very much a part of the game. So to me, uh I, I don't think he should be banned by any means or sacked or whatever. Like, yeah, he should have repercussions. He should get a fine, you know, whatever, like a you know, a week or two um weeks worth of wages, you know, uh, fine, whatever. But um, man, come on. He, he knew, he knew. In, oh. in America, in American sports terms, Dan, he was giving him the business and Ooh. he knew, he knew exactly, he knew exactly what was happening, man. And like, to be honest with you, you know, I think, you know, th- this, this stuff does happen. I'm trying to think about how I want to phrase this. It does happen. It doesn't mean that it should happen. And especially, I think where I had an issue with it is, uh, from all the reports that I'm reading, and I'm, I'm looking at Sky's report, um, this this cat usually sits. Iana usually sits in like the upper east stand because he's an analyst during the matches. So his goal is to kind of see the whole pitch, right? And then he's also entitled to come down to the bench and communicate with Sari about like what he's seeing or what changes might happen or whatever. So he was down for the last 15 minutes of the match, according to Sky Sports, and you know then you know did. Something really, really dumb. I think in the in the you know kind of spectrum of like the hierarchy of the coaching staff, which is he's like a he's not the number two. Zola's the number two, right? He's not even on the first. He's not even on the bench with the rest of the kind of you know notable assistants. He's he's up upstairs, and so it just felt like a dude who had maybe had something a little extra from Mourinho wanted to showcase you know, his, his emotion a little bit. And look, it was the wrong thing to do. It, it was it's absolutely the wrong thing to do. And one of the replays makes it look like his fist pump kind comes a lot closer to Mourinho's face than I originally thought it did, but it's not the right thing to do. It, and it, it cannot be, that can't be a thing that happens, you know, on a more regular basis because, you know, that's how, you know, the stupid stuff, we, we've been talking about this for 10 minutes already. That's how this stuff happens, and it takes away from the actual play on the field, which is the wrong thing. All right. Well, I mean, I want to wrap this up a little bit with, like, the overall Mourinho stuff. It's kind of funny. There was a Twitter exchange from Gary Hayes and um, Tony Saunders from 
uh, the Chelsea podcast. And essentially, you know, after going back and forth where, you know, Gary's like, hey, we can't have it both ways. You know, you can't love Mourinho for his antics, but then blast him for his antics when it's not going your way. To which Saunders was saying, yeah, you can. He's a dick, but he's our dick. And that was kind of the way he wrapped it up is like, you know, it's kind of like you said, Nick, at the time he was ours and we embraced it, that feistiness, that edge. And now he's running the same play. It just happens to be against us. And so, um, you know, I'm not here to tell fans what to think. Uh, I'm not here to tell fans what how, what to feel. But I was just surprised in general at the reaction uh, of the chant. And I'm, again, not saying people are wrong, not saying people are right by, you know, who didn't do it. Uh, it just kind of gave me a little bit of surprise. And, and it instigated that conversation of how do you treat your best ever manager in the club's history. Uh, And to me, I think that it's kind of like former players, right? You can appreciate them a lot better when they're not going against you, uh, you know, essentially in a rival position. So Dan, in in your eyes, I think that these are just in-the-moment things that are happening. But let's say in 10, 15, 20 years when Mourinho is done managing – Every time he comes back, he can walk on the pitch and be applauded. That's the way I would like to think that the the path of time will take it. Well, I think it's difficult to make that case, though, when you look at the fact that you know Juan Mata, who basically was responsible for the buildup to you know one of Martial's goals, and you know made a pretty rough challenge on Aspilicueta during the game ends up getting applauded off the the pitch by the Chelsea supporters, uh, yet he is, you know, also a part of United, like Mourinho is, who also is, you know, looking to take away all three points from us in that match. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it is about how you carry yourself. It is about how you communicate the situation and uh, take a stance on things. And uh, Mourinho doesn't make it easy for himself. I think Nick made tons of great points about how Mourinho... Um, you know, winds people up and, you know, that makes it difficult. Uh, it makes it prickly to engage with them. You know, it's like a, you're trying to hug a hedgehog and that's probably not a good idea. So I, I think you're right that in the vast, vast future, uh, it will be much easier to love him for what he did. I, I do think the F off Mourinho comments are probably not what a chant I would have been supporting in. You know, I think there's uh, you know, some lines that you try to draw in the sand and maybe not going to go beyond them, but um, it happened. And I just think, you know, maybe after the fact, people might think, ah, no, I really wish I hadn't done that. Or, you know, I kind of got caught in the moment of it, Nick. I just, uh, final final note for me on this. I think the, the chance, obviously, were not great. Probably not something I would have participated in either. And not to make myself sound like an elitist or anything. Just, I, I do respect what he did at Chelsea. And I've, I've, always appreciated that and in his you know kind of prime of his managerial career he was a force to be reckoned with I think the the chants are not just from this one moment in the match I think they've been built up over the last couple of years where he you know has trolled Chelsea at you know the theater of dreams he's trolled Chelsea in the press he's trolled the fans in the press he's you know told Antonio Conte not to celebrate too hard because it hurt his feelings. You know, it's a, a bunch of different things kind of factored into that build up. And, you know, if he's allowed to lose his temper and, and, you know, try and go after Yanni or whoever, and the emotion of the game is like the, the excuse for that. then I think the fan should be let off a little bit here too, because uh, I think all they were trying to do 
you know, in, in that moment, if I, if I can defend it for, you know, play devil's advocate on myself is get behind the team and show, you know, show Mourinho that, Hey, we, you know, our, our new girlfriend's pretty, you know, pretty awesome. And someone that we like a lot. And I guess I would have, I would have loved a sorry chant at that point instead of the other thing that happened, but uh, I understand why it happened. And so I, I just hope we can all remember this context when we go to United in the spring, because it, it will absolutely matter, and just don't let him get under your skin. Just don't let him do it. If he's still there. But anyways, as we move on, um, Dan, I'm going to pile this one on you a little bit, all right? So is our situation as simple as we're only a striker away from winning the league title? Or are Chelsea too reliant on Eden Hazard? And if we had a reliable striker... Would that take away the pressure to have a more attacking midfielder instead of World Cup winner N'Golo Kante? Dan, solve our problems. Well, we could you know, solve all of our problems if we hired a technical director or a director of football or a sporting director to help uh, put a strategy in place, Brandon. Uh, that would be first and foremost. But uh, since that was not an option or the premise of the question that you put forward, uh, I would say that uh, we we are a striker away from being, I think, a, a true contender in the way that you know City is. When you look at uh, you know Aguero, I think had like one point you know six or one point eight um, expected goals. Ended up getting one against you know Burnley yesterday. Uh, they beat them five nothing. Um, you know you, you know Liverpool because you know they they score goals from a multitude of different players. And the the lack of a reliable striker, yes, I mean, Drew is great in the fact that he enables the best out of someone like Eden Hazard, frees him up to be a little bit more magical and, you know, gets you know, some defenders off his back. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's tough. It's tough without having someone who is, is threatening where, you know, basically there's a, a wash, rinse, repeat with Murata right now when he starts and that's he gets the ball he or he asks for the ball. He holds it up for a second. He gets fouled. He it falls down and then uh, wants to you know get a foul that he doesn't get and you know then gets a little bit of a pissy look on his face. Um, and Nick, I, I just you know we kind of were hoping at the beginning of the season that he would come good and he would develop a pattern and would put himself in the contention for something like even like the gold boot. But it just is continuing to look like regardless of whether it's Morata or Drew up front, the lack of a striker is something other teams know, and they know that they can just really go make N. Hazard's life as difficult as possible, and they're going to stymie um, really any attack that we truly might have at the moment. Yeah, I, I think you summed it up really well there. Uh, to me, there were a couple of key moments that I looked at Morata's performance yesterday, and it just wasn't good enough. Uh, one, he reverted back to the you know, lightest bit of contact equals flop equation. Um, he flopped all over the place in the first half, was a little bit stronger in the second half, but, uh, you know, that's just not good enough, and he's not getting those calls. Uh, so, again, you know, we've talked about that for a year and a half now, which is he has to get that out of his game. He just has to. It, it, it hurts the team when he loses possession of the ball because he's not being a strong striker and it's not trying to keep it. And, you know, that that just isn't great. The other thing is his movement in the final third yesterday was absolutely abysmal. 
uh, for a striker and I think a system that depends on a striker making the right run at the right time or being in a position to receive the ball and aim it at goal, uh, he is just not doing that job. He's just not in, in a position to ever be a threat. And I don't know why. Like, it seems to me like that would be his you know, of all the striking styles in the world, and there are, there are 1,500 of them, it would seem to me like that would suit his game a lot, to be on the move, to try and confuse defenders. You know, if he's not going to be able to overpower them, then move around him, you know? And, and that would seem to me like the, the ideal scenario for him. The system would be an ideal system for him to get, uh, you know, a bucket of goals. But he's just, he's not moving in the final third. And I think the team generally yesterday really struggled to move in the final third. I'm not sure why. United's defense is not good. Um, it just, it was it was kind of blowing my mind a little bit to the point where N'Golo Conte had a, a really solid strike on goal and it like reinvigorated the crowd because we hadn't shot on goal in a while. You know, it's just like crazy. So yeah, I, I would agree with the statement that we're over relying on Eden Hazard. We have been for four years, and you know, until we get that situation resolved and the striking situation, uh, I don't really know what the answer is, Brandon. Like, it, it is very much a struggle for us to be a top four team if we don't have a striker who's putting in at this point in the season at least ten to fifteen goals. So you're saying ten to fifteen by January, essentially. Oh no, God no! Just for the rest of the season. That's such a low. See, that's afraid. That's so low. That's yeah. that's too low for a top striker. Like I mean, twenty. You know, we need to be edging close to yeah, exactly. Well, I know what we need to go get. No, but I like, hear you. Let's let's think about it. It's October twenty first as of recording this, and January. You know, we're not guaranteed to bring a, a striker in. Uh, you know, so like let's just pretend we're using the ingredients in our grocery basket right now. We need Giroud and uh, and Murata to both have, you know, a, a better, you know, at least eight, nine, ten goals, you know, each, you know, for us to be really considered a contender. And I, I don't know, guys, it just doesn't seem realistic to me right now with the way that both are playing. Nick, if if we if that's the only ingredients we have, and we're forced to cook the dinner for the for the troops, like there's gonna be a lot of empty bellies. Come, come the end of the line. Oh, my gosh. No, I agree with that. Yeah. And all it does, to Brandon, to your point, I'll let you steal it back, would be just, you know, if Eden Hazard is getting uh, doubled and tripled anytime he touches the ball or he's getting fouled, and Willian has much more space, or Pedro, whoever on the other side, it just puts that much more pressure on the other side to draw people out and that hasn't been super successful to this point in the year, and I think we can be honest about that too. Our our right wing play, I know that William got his assist yesterday on a set piece, but he wasn't brilliant by any means. And Pedro didn't look well, like he really impacted the game that much when he came on. So, I, well, I don't and know. you saw when uh, the, when Hazard was getting fouled, uh, you know, earlier in the match, they did try to switch, you know, Hazard and William uh, left for what uh, right, and it didn't really. You know, there was still someone, whether it was Young, uh, Matic, um, Herrera, when he came on, someone was always looking to man Mark Hazard a little bit out of the game. And you know, if that's happening, that means someone else is going to have a little bit of freedom. And you know, you, we are a our attack as a whole is the area most ripe for upgrade at the moment. You know, you can argue about the defense, you know, leaking some goals, but you could potentially say or make the case that with the ingredients we have there, 
Um, maybe some who aren't making the bench right now and who have father agents who are in the press talking about what needs to happen or not happen for those players uh, that you could couple together a lineup that you like a little bit better. You can make some cases that with the emergence of Barkley, um, that gives us more flexibility to move around or create a midfield that can add some some goals or an attacking threat, which releases a little bit of the, the strain on that front three. But that front three if it's three players, you have one that is an immediate, you know, world top, you know, top five player in the world, and and Hazard, and then you have two that are not near the level or caliber of any of the other of the one through four, one through five teams in the Premier League. Like you wouldn't tell me, like you wouldn't want to go get Aubameyang or Lacazette um, or any of the other strikers that exist in those teams and put them in here. We wouldn't instantly be better. Um, because we would. Well, I just read a tweet that apparently uh, someone is upset at Atletico because Griezmann's getting paid way more. So maybe Diego's on the market. Uh, it does not fit our profile of players we buy anymore, unfortunately. He's, he's getting a little too old at uh, 56, um, you know. <laughs> and uh, as much as, you know, it was nice to have Costa here. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have to be someone a little younger. I mean, there, there's, there's talented options out there. Um, it's just going to be, can the club identify the right one, get the right price and, and bring them in. Um, and again, January is a hard time to convince clubs to sell. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next couple months here, especially as we go to having, you know, anywhere between, uh, you know, three to three and a half days in between matches. Uh, so Drew and Murata are going to get worked and they're going to work a lot. I mean, the fact of the matter is you have to go in in January. Like, just the way things stand, uh, Murata has, what, two goals this season in the Premier League? Giroud actually doesn't have any. You're sitting here with Eden Hazard running away on seven, Pedro on three. When was the last time Pedro scored? Uh, Alonso only has one in the league, right? You know, I hate that we have to, like, look to him for goals. Uh, You know, Rudiger's getting some headers, but... It's not really there. And, and, you know, obviously Ross Barkley is starting to find some form with two goals as well from the midfield. Um, but we just don't know how many minutes he's going to be getting in, in, in the way it stands. So I think that, you know, A, I think not because William – so I'm not going to say because William's bad, Pedro needs to play. I'm just going to say because Pedro has more goals in his game than William, we need him. I, we don't need someone to create goals for our strikers because they're not scoring. We need people who can put the ball in the back of the net, uh, which is why I think Pedro should just automatically be the starter in, in these situations. Um, it, it's going to have to be something that is taken care of in January. There's just no way around it, especially if we're continuing to stay you know, in the top four healthily, You know, right now in third in a very strong position, undefeated. We, we have to keep this momentum and invest and get us over the line. And unfortunately, January is the worst time to buy, let alone a striker. Maybe it helps that we're not in Champions League. You know, I'm not really sure, but we'll have to wait and see. The next, the, the thing that I want to dig into lastly on this episode is Ross, the, the boss Barkley hype train, has officially left this station, guys. Uh, he now has two league goals, like I said, running into it. And, and the weird thing is, I know we've talked about him before, but the thing is he keeps forcing his name into the conversation, right? Like, do we play him or Kovacic? Three weeks, four weeks ago, Kovacic all day. Not even a question. 
Now we're starting to see things we really, really like from him, and even in short cameo appearances, like as a sub. So because of his performances of lately, Nick, do you think that uh, he is just primed to be a super sub coming on late in matches and really, you know, taking the level up to where it was at the beginning and, and creating? Or is he now starting to tread on the waters of looking at taking Kovacic or Conte's spot in the starting 11? Well, yeah, I don't know if he would take Conte's spot. Um, I think he is better suited on the left-hand side, and that appears to be where Kovacic is mostly playing. So, um, yeah, I don't know about that. Uh, I think Kovacic is still super, 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 super good. Um, really respect him as a player. Uh, look, Ross has played himself into a position that we had hoped Ruben Loftus-Cheek would have played himself in the position to be. Like, he is in consideration now, at least in my brain, you know, for someone that Maurizio Sarri has to make a decision on every week, you know, whereas I think the starting 11 has been pretty cemented uh, once, you know, everyone was fit and healthy after the first couple of weeks of the season. Uh, Ross is making an impact when he comes on. I mean, that's all you can expect your substitutes to do, right, is, is to make an impact. And he uh, 100% did that yesterday. He played very well against Southampton. Uh, he, and you know he's going to get you know all the minutes he can handle in Europa League and Carabao Cup and FA Cup. So you know to to our point earlier, you know is is you know I guess what his goals Dan make up for the fact that he's not a still a great uh, defensive midfielder. I, I'm not 100 percent sure. That's for Maurizio Sarri to to pick up on. But the, you know one of the things that I, I wanted to quickly touch on is that he. And his spacing and and things uh, that led up to the uh, second Martial goal yesterday, uh, you know, was part of the reason that that goal actually happened. Um, you know, he did not track back, and he was way far out of position to to really have an impact on the defensive side of that game. And I think that's where he still lacks personally. Yeah, you would wonder if you know Barkley and Conte and Jorginho were the the three option. If Conte then would be allowed to to go back just a, a little bit deeper naturally, because um, you know, obviously sometimes when you're kind of in the middle of the match and kind of high intensity, it's hard to redistribute or redefine the entirety of a role. But if Barkley was then allowed to roam a little further forward naturally, have a little bit more of the backing, you know, uh, our backline I know would appreciate it. But then also it'd be nice for our midfielders to you know get the benefit of a little bit more of the. Conte security defense force system that uh, we all know and love from some title winning seasons, uh, you know, not too long ago. Um, yeah, I, I think he, the challenge is right now that we're not putting for a lot of goal effort. And I would then opt to start Barkley um, at least right now until we figure out what's going to go on with this attack and make him the, the primary option of a Kovacic. You know, I think the, the benefit is, you know, that, and, and there was a really good article, uh, I'll have to find it and retweet it out for the podcast account, talking about the idea that, you know, Barclay was thrust into Everton with all this expectation and hype and hope and really had to be the, the guy for a while. And now not having to be the guy at Chelsea with the likes of, of Hazard and, you know, Kepa with the you know largest contract or largest fee paid for a goalkeeper. There's so many other narratives and stories around that he just gets kind of you know to put his head down focus on his work to talk about how you know and if he had been working with sorry sooner 
that you know he would be a better player was studying the tactics before he came in officially has been working on his fitness you know you kind of maybe mentioned that you know he's got like hamstrings made of straw you know previously based upon some of his injury history and he's he's coming good on on a pretty fair fee and i think that's a lot of credit to him and the work ethic and the resiliency for it and i I think at the end of the season he is still our player kovacic you know may or may not be our player at the end of the season and uh you know I, i think that leads me a little bit more down the line of wanting to give more minutes to Barkley, Brandon, than uh, Kovacic presently. I have actually kind of, as I was listening to you guys talk, thought about I the quicker f- switch than a Barkley for Kovacic, because uh, I think Nick was, that's a really good point about Kovacic being a little bit more well-rounded and uh, kind of being able to play box-to-box where Barkley's got a much more attacking mindset, which is okay. You've got to think that Sari is looking at Pedro playing in the striking role like he did with Mertens at Napoli. I know he said he he has and he's not interested, but I almost feel like Williams playing because they're working on Pedro in that role in training and they're just not ready to do it yet. Uh, to me, that seems like a much more fluid option. And I look back to a lot of those highlight videos of Napoli uh, playing Sari ball and they were at their best when they're in behind the defense and running at them. Chelsea just haven't done that a lot this season. And Morata, his runs haven't been great. Um, he's not in and around the box. If there is service from like a William or someone, I mean, Hazard got to the end line and played an amazing ball right through the six yard box. There's no one, no one in sight, no one around. And I just feel like uh, that's the stuff we have to change. And so I don't know. Maybe the quicker fix is Pedro. You leave the midfield as a three, and then you go with the um, a really fast, pacey, interchangeable front three. So I, I don't know. We'll see, obviously. But, God, it's just not working right now. Um, but going back to Barkley, I would like to point out Topher's post on Facebook saying, uh, would you rather have Kovacic with 99% pass accuracy and no goals or Barkley, who seems to be putting himself in a position to make shit happen i'm team barkley my problem is topher you didn't give me something tangible for ross (laughs) you just said he'll be there to make something happen but i don't know what that means covid is it like a goal every 120 minutes right a goal every like 180 like is it a a goal plus assist every 200 minutes like i you know that would be the good kind of like you know caveat as to kind of bounce the two obviously yeah look I actually really like your point on Pedro, Brandon. I think that could make a huge difference. But if you were, you know, if you're going to look at the balance of the midfield, the reason that this system has been so effective to this point is that we dominate the midfield against every opponent that we've played. Uh, Manchester United, Liverpool, Arsenal, all of the top six, top seven opponents that we've played, we dominated the midfield on. City will be a challenge to dominate the midfield on, but still... You know, even if it's a 50-50 split, uh, you know, that gives us some chance to win instead of where you know they completely dominated us last year. All that being said, Kovacic is much more balanced. I think there is an opportunity for both of them to play, but if you were to ask me who my dead-to-right starter is right now, it has to be Kovacic. It just has to be. All right. Well, let us know what you guys think in the comments. Like I said, we bring it up because Barkley keeps doing it over and over. Dan, you liked, uh, or I guess you put out a little post for Ross, the boss Barkley on our Twitter asking, use one word to describe Ross boss Barkley's form right now. 
What were some of your favorites that we got from that? Oh, uh, a couple like uh, our friend Shane using the word timely. That was nice. Uh, you know, David Fitz for giving us breakout all caps. So, you know, you know that he was excited. Um, you got uh, Segmarv saying persistent, which I think is a, is a good, good adjective there. Uh, Matthew X Grace giving us inevitable with the flex arm emoji. So, uh, yeah, flex arm emoji doesn't count because it is, uh, it was one word, not emojis. Um, you know, fit from, uh, um, reds, uh, redskin CD, which is, uh, you know, he, he reversed redskins to try to hide the word, but, uh, I caught it, um, using fit. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no, nothing gets by you, Dan. You're yeah, a, you know, I'm pretty you're, fast. Uh, you're a steel you know. trap over there. <laughs> well, my, my wife is a Redskins fan, and she doesn't, you know, advertise that pretty regularly either. So I can understand why he did it. Um, you know, CFC videos expected. And there were a lot of good things. We had a lot of positive buzz around Boss, uh, Boss Barkley, and he should be I think, very excited and, you know, clearly, you know, spoken about the benefit of, you know, being at the club and working under Sari. And uh, I think it's, you know, a nice narrative to have versus – kind of where we were all when we, we started and he kind of got brought in initially or was coming in initially and then the move got scrapped and then came back the following window. Uh, this is a, a really nice place for him to be. So thumbs up to that. <sighs> Barkley, Barkley, Barkley. You think about it, he was 15 million. That was it, like in January. And everyone's like, oh, we'll just do a quick flip on him, right? Sell him for another quick 10 million or something. He, uh, he might prove to be one of the best shrewd signings that uh, Chelsea have made, so... You know what? You know what it really underpins, though, is how much we got fleeced for Daniel Drinkwater. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, for yeah. for a club that you know, we we definitely tried to advocate the positivity of a lot of the deals we we put together. Boy, oh boy, you know the the Leicester City chair and board should be laughing all the way to the bank, at, you know, for what they did in that deal. Incredible. All right, well, let's go ahead and uh, as you bring this one to a close, Dan, your signature man of the match poll. I'm not going to lie. If I'm being honest with you, Nick and I were talking and, and we didn't speak up, but Marco Iani is an option. Just, you're feeding you're feeding the trolls. You are. Uh, to, uh, I must not speak. Uh, I must no, not speak. No, uh, no, no. no. Uh, uh, you're closer. Uh, yeah. You're definitely getting better. Keep it up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, no, so uh, we had a couple options. Uh, Antonio Rudiger, who I actually believe would be the true man of the match. Um, Boss Barkley, uh, both splitting pretty much uh, 50% of the vote, or 51%, 26% to Rudiger, 25 to Boss Barkley. Jorginho with a paltry 6 to Marco Iani, who gets 43%, probably for the upward fist motion that he made in the direct eye contact with Mourinho. You know, really, just you know, elements of a ten out of ten game that you uh, you can't really uh, you know talk away from. You know, who scored? Rated really highly. What what a world we live in, where Ed Nazard and Nagolo Kante aren't in it. I mean, right? If you just kind of take it at that value, and I'm not saying you're wrong. It's just it wasn't their best matches. Interesting. It was. It was not. No. All right. Well, that is it for the man of the match poll. And as the table stands, ladies and gentlemen, Manchester City. Uh, are at the top of the table on 23 points, tied with Liverpool in second on 23 points. Chelsea dropping to third on 21 points, tied with Spurs also on 21 points in fourth. Arsenal dropping to fifth, but Arsenal 
have yet to play on Monday. They will be playing Leicester, and if they win, then they would go ahead of Spurs back into fourth. Um, then you got Bournemouth sixth, Watford seventh, Everton eighth, Wolves ninth, United actually down to tenth. Uh, and if Leicester beat Arsenal, they would jump United to push them to eleventh. Again, crazy days at uh, in the Premier League. You still have Newcastle and Huddersfield, the only two teams left in the Premier League in 20th and 19th place, respectively, without a win. Fulham, Cardiff, Southampton, all with only one win on the entire season. So that kind of surprised me about Fulham. I thought there's a lot more excitement and success for them at the beginning of the season. Turns out they were all draws instead. Uh, Not great. Not great for the table right now for those people. But hey, we're sitting strong in third place, guys. So with that being said, any other thoughts or comments that we might have missed that you wanted to circle back to? Nick, kick it with you. Uh, Manchester City is a plus 23 goal diff already. Can I, and Thanks, Burnley. And, um, <laughs> you know, I, I know they're tied with Liverpool, but they have, they have 10, they're plus 10 in goal diff over Liverpool, who, you know. And us. We're the, both at 13. To be fair, yeah, so, yeah. Except we have less points, so I, I you know, look, th- they were kind of the unanimous pick ahead of the season. I think because they're still super good. I know we haven't played them yet, so we haven't had to come face to face with that monster. But if you want to see how Sorry Ball plays against, uh, you know, the best team in the league, uh, that will be against Manchester City later in the year. They just got De Bruyne back as well. Rich get richer, homie truth dan what about you we didn't talk a lot about uh particular parts of the defense in this game and uh i would say the alonzo writhing around in the box um Ugh. and luis uh positionally on defense were two of the most infuriating elements that i had in watching the match and uh yeah you know uh it makes me really wish we could have some Cool AC blowing into our back line. Oh if you catch my drift, if you uh, catch my drift, Nicholas. God. And if you don't, he's been waiting. Embrace he's been it. waiting all episode <laughs> to do that. <laughs> I, oh, I will. Um, I will second that. I mean, I thought David Luiz's uh, decision making was not great today. He took a lot of unnecessary gambles. The most obvious one, letting Mata get past him, which led to the second goal. So. Uh, yeah, well, part of that was, you know, he, he was being left exposed. We, we've said this, we never, ever, ever want to see David Luiz out on the wing. If we see him out there, something has gone wrong, very, very wrong. And that <laughs> happened, unfortunately, a couple uh, of times in this match. So, all right. I, I will say, as you mentioned on the wing, though, the one most humorous tweet that did not come from our account this weekend, focusing on the match, was the Marco, Marco Agnani runs down the wing for me oh, and, uh, <laughs> and that's what we should end it on that that is good i like that all right well let's end on it that will wrap it up for this manchester united match preview thank you so much for joining us listeners we are match, so match review match re- review. preview which it's, it's a thing it's a pod i apologize it's been a while right we took a week off we're, we're still knocking the rust off so glad to be back. We will be dropping part two tomorrow, so make sure you check that out. All about your social media questions and a look ahead to Burnley. So with that being said, Chelsea fans, that is a wrap. So until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high. <laughs>